Chapter 13 Monday morning was cold and wet, and still dark when James left the house. And on the sodden walk to school he found himself thinking about Mrs. Gently. She had given him the creeps on Friday, but he wasn't going to be scared today. He wanted to get the squiduckin key back, or at least make sure that it was still safe in the desk. He sat down with Jenny and Asma at breakfast club. Since finding out that Asma was somehow being protected by the Sentinelms, James didn't feel so annoyed with her. She was now part of the Green Hands gang, and not just because of Jenny, but because she was linked to the trees and the animals too. She still didn't talk, but James didn't mind any more. Look at this, Jenny said. She handed him a key. It was small, flat and silver, with a uniform set of bumps. At the top of the blade, near the bow, it had a little rubber washer. For a second, James thought she was giving it to him to replace the squiduckin key. Then he remembered what she'd said about her granddad being a locksmith. What is it? he asked. A bump key, she said. My granddad has a set of them. He says you can open most locks with them, and he showed me how. This one just happens to fit the lock you get on a certain type of desk. James turned the bump key over in his hand. Does it work? We'll have to see, Jenny said, with a glint in her eye. We might not have to use it, though, if Mrs. Gently gives the key back. The morning went by without incident. James was careful not to ask to see the puzzle sheet, and he kept a watchful eye on Mrs. Gently. She stayed behind her desk for most of the morning, and he didn't notice anything unusual. He decided to ask for the key at lunchtime. He didn't like the thought of being alone with her at the end of the day again. Until you can prove the key is yours, it will stay right where it is, she said, tapping the desk drawer. It made James cross, but he thought about Jenny's special bump key and didn't push any further. What they needed was some time alone in the classroom. The inter-school choir event was quickly approaching. The choir had one more week to learn the songs and practice the different parts. There was now a choir practice every lunchtime in 6R's classroom, as well as the usual after-school practices on Monday and Wednesday nights. At lunchtime, James was hoping that Mrs. Gently would leave the classroom unlocked. He hung back, putting some colouring pens away. But the old, shapeless teacher simply sat at her desk and pulled a sandwich out of her bag. Not wanting to be alone with her for any more than he had to, James quickly left the room, ate his lunch and hurried up to 6R for the practice. Jenny, Asma, Wilf and Queenie were there already. Laurie was in year two, so was still in the infant school building and couldn't join them. In between songs, they whispered about Green Hand's gang business. After lunch, during art, James managed to persuade one of the boys on his table, called Archie, to ask Mrs. Gently if they could look at the puzzle sheet. James had now deciphered all five of the cryptograms from Jenny's photo. As far as he could work out, none of the other classes were ahead of him, and two of them had already needed to ask for a clue. He desperately wanted to look at the rest of the cryptograms, as he had a real chance of winning the challenge. When Archie put up his hand and Mrs. Gently came over, James listened carefully. Yes, Archie, Mrs. Gently said, her face sagging like a melting waxwork. Uh, I wondered if we could, uh... Archie faltered, and James gave him a gentle kick under the table. Uh, if I could have a look at the puzzle sheet, you know, at the cryptographs? 
Mrs. Gently's eyes looked down at the boy, and she breathed out a long sigh through her thin, limp lips. It made a sound like an air mattress being deflated. Perhaps we'll look at them tomorrow, she said. As she shuffled back to her desk, James leant over to Archie. Thanks, he said. I owe you one. At the end of the school day, it was choir practice again. Asthma had not been down to the Sentinelms since the day before. Jenny wasn't happy about taking asthma. She thought it would be too dangerous. After a discussion, where James pointed out that Asthma herself wanted to go, Jenny said that she and Asthma would walk down straight after choir. The only problem was that it would be dark, so they'd have to stick to well-lit pavements to avoid any run-ins with Chimera. They had to concentrate for the rest of practice. By now, they all knew the words to the songs, but their teacher had introduced a whole load of new parts for them to learn. James mostly sang the main parts, which was the easiest, as they had the tunes and rhythms that he was familiar with. But for Ding Dong Merrily on High, he had to sing the second part, a different melody to the main part, and he found it very hard to get right. It was fine when it was just a big group singing the second part on their own, but as soon as the other groups joined in, his voice always seemed to wander back to the main tune. The choir spent the last twenty minutes just doing the first chorus of Ding Dong Merrily on High. By the end of it, everyone was tired, but the teacher was happy that it sounded good. The Greenhands gang all walked out together. James couldn't go with Jenny and Asthma. He had to go straight home for dinner. He wished them luck, crossed Balfour Road, and bounded up the steps that cut through to Osborne Road. After all the excitement of the last few days, James felt like he was missing out on something when he got home. Just sitting around, playing computer games and having dinner was nowhere near as fun as creeping out to the hill fort or having mint tea with Hegel inside an ancient tree. Then he remembered his notebook and spent an hour before bedtime writing down what had happened so far. The next few days promised to be much the same. Choir practice kept James busy at lunch, and he made a few more attempts by proxy to get to look at the puzzle sheet. Archie didn't want to ask again, but James persuaded him by promising him his dessert at lunchtime. This time Mrs. Gently said exactly the same thing, that maybe they'd look at it tomorrow. There had been no opportunity to use Jenny's bump key to open the drawer. Mrs. Gently barely left the desk at all during the day. The only positive was that he hadn't noticed any more creepiness from the old teacher. She still shuffled around clumsily and looked like a loose skin sack filled with lumps, but no sign of the cat-like tongue that James had seen the Friday before. On Tuesday, Jenny reluctantly took asthma to the Sentinelms straight after school. Luckily, they'd had no problems on Monday night and didn't expect any this time. James had art club, so once more he couldn't go with them, but he wished them luck. He spent most of art club with Wilf and Laurie. Wilf shared his hand-drawn designs for fox protection mechanisms. They consisted of... Design number one. Nerf guns with ends of the darts dipped in Tabasco. Design number two. Small water bombs filled with diluted Tabasco. Design number three. Bow and arrow, the safe suction type of arrow, with arrowhead suckers dipped in Tabasco. Design number four. Water pistol filled with diluted Tabasco. By the end of Art Club, all three of the gang had drawn more designs that could help keep the foxes at bay. On Wednesday, James had made no further progress with the puzzle sheet, 
and was getting frustrated again. 6H had cracked the sixth cryptogram, and 6R used a clue to decipher the seventh one, and there still hadn't been any opportunity to use the bump key. Asma's taxi was booked for straight after choir. Jenny decided to leave choir half an hour early, get to the Sentinelms, and then get back to school in time for the taxi. Again, Jenny voiced her disapproval about taking asthma, so James went with them, as much to avoid more ding-dong merrily on high practice as to visit the ancient trees. It was not quite dark. The three children hurried down the pavement. Rather than cut through the park, they kept to the roads under the pools of light cast by the orange-coloured streetlights. The downside was that it took just over ten minutes to reach the Sentinelms, meaning they could not stay for long before they had to leave. The two girls went in first, squeezing through the gap in the trunk. James followed closely after. This time, the chamber was illuminated by two flickering candles that were wedged into small knotholes in the wall. They were alone for a moment, and then Hegel came shuffling out from a dark corner behind the fungus settee. We haven't got long, Jenny said. We've got to get back to school. Well, it's good you're here, Hegel said. I've just been over to the rockery. Those ginger vandals were skulking around. I'd hoped they'd left the county. Are they looking for the Stone of Brighthelm? James asked. I suppose so, Hegel said. They were talking about their prize, and that they'd soon be rich. Nonsense, if you ask me. James thought back to what he'd overheard Chimera and the Magpie talking about. If the fox did have a plan, then it didn't seem like it was working. Yet. As much as they wanted to stay and chat, the children said goodbye to the hedgehog and made their way out of the elm. They kept to the well-lit pavements and made it back to school for the end of choir. Rather than go back in, all three of them waited by the school entrance. A few minutes later, a taxi pulled in to the small school car park. Asma got in and Jenny said goodbye. Then the taxi began to turn around in the car park. Jenny set off down the hill to her house, and James crossed over the road. He reached the bottom of the stairs to Osborne Road. The stairs were set back a few metres from the pavement, and dimly lit by the streetlight opposite the school. The taxi's headlights swept past him as it turned to drive up the hill. His shadow was cast onto the stairs, and he took a step up, then paused. Something clicked in his head, Something about the taxi. He dashed back to where the stairs met the pavement and peered round the corner. And he was right. The taxi slowed right down, by the fence near the year six block. The passenger door on the far side of the taxi opened for a moment and then closed, as if someone hadn't shut the door properly and was making sure. Or as if two Persian cats had just jumped in. Then the car pulled away and drove up the hill. He couldn't actually see from his angle, but he was certain he was right about what had just happened. The two Persian cats had joined Asma in the taxi. James wasn't sure he should tell Jenny about the cats and Asma. She was already cross that poor old Asma had been dragged into this mess. He didn't want to point out that the mess was, in fact, caused by the silent girl. He decided it would be best to say nothing now, but to show Jenny the next time it happened. He made his way home, and, as he didn't have any new cryptograms to work on, he wrote the latest details of the adventure in his notebook.